Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. This is episode 30, and this conversation includes a very special guest, a yogi and a friend. Listeners, we're sitting on the yoga mat with Julie Thayer. Julie's a firm believer in becoming the champion of your own self-care, and she will inspire you to discover your own capacity to cultivate an optimal state of being through your personal yoga practice, both on and off your mat. For more about Julie's certifications, I encourage you to visit juliethayeryoga.com, where you can also keep track of events and workshops featuring Julie. Julie has also been most recently featured in the Changemaker Press presentation of Changemakers, 20 transformational stories from women making an impact in the lives of others. This book is available through Julie's website or on Amazon. Today, Julie shares her inspirational story of transformation, beginning from the coldest forest of her despair to a new path invigorated by a rebirth. Suicide is often not discussed and attempts are higher than many know, especially for women. A wholeness of the self includes mental wholeness, and many of us are fractured and in need of just someone to see us and to hear us. We discuss the confliction with rising up to be better while believing, I am enough as I am. Which is it? What does it mean to finally accept that not everybody is ready to meet you in your moment? Do we value the pursuit of the perfect moment more than we value the present moment? What happens when we are not open to receiving? How can we create what Julie calls islands of calm. What is yoga about and how does one do yoga? Yoga is an experience. Yoga is life and yoga can happen everywhere and it's for everyone. Today's episode features yoga because yoga is just another practice of the full embodiment of eroticism and I believe that I have learned a lot about my own body from an erotic lens through the practice of yoga. So the erotic epiphany continues. I ask you to compassionately consider the perspective of Julie Thayer. It's very. It, it it was hard to hold both of them at the same time and mm-hmm. feel like, okay, I'm I'm worthy of this part over here, um, and I and moving forward and 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 rising up and you know, and 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 settling into that place of equanimity and peace, um, but I need to kind of kick this stuff to the curb before I really feel like I can do that and. And so I think I feel I feel some liberation with that, which is oh, lovely. Good. Yeah. That's and how a good about feeling. you? I've how been you? I'm good. I've been so busy and um I've enjoyed it because I try really hard to not be busy because I feel like the first part of my life I was so busy yeah. and now my husband is so busy. So it's like, okay, well, 
you're busy, then I can't be busy because if we're both busy, then we're all taking away from the kids. And it's been hard though. I mean, I get to the point where I'm like, God, did I even spend time with my kids today? And I homeschool too on top of it. So, but sometimes I'm like, mommy's got stuff to do. We're going to entertain ourselves today. I have a lot of stuff going on and they've been really awesome about it. Um, but I still love it too. But now I'm coming into like where I have a slowdown because I've done so many recordings in such a short amount of time. So I can go, okay, now all I have to do is edit, publish. And for the next two months, I don't have to worry and scramble and get. Yeah. And you can breathe. You can create a space for yourself. Yeah. And so, and my husband is coming into a point right now too, where he, so farming ended, but then loading hogs out. And that's like a six week process and it's grueling hours and just hectic labor. And so he hasn't been around and I was sitting here like, I have to write my book. When are you going to be home? I have to, you know? And so that was really stressful because things just didn't line up for us where he was like, I know, but the winter you'll have all this time. And now I'm like, but you're not here. Where are you? I need this time. So now he's coming off of loading. And so he'll have like a nice little reprieve. And then you brought up the trialogue and I'm like, yes, this is the perfect time. I can <laughs> run into this and we can get so much done right away. And then, yeah, cause it's been on my mind too, you know, but I'm like, you know, it's just not the right season. And so we're waiting and as soon as, and it's funny cause I was thinking about it within the last yes. few days too. I'm like, so are we going to like. Mm. What are we doing with this? What are we doing? So like, does someone need to send a memo out? And then I got your text and I'm like, <laughs> like, like, oh, someone connected our thought yeah. process. That's awesome. And Nora said oh. it's been heavy on her mind too. So yeah. I love it. And I'm super I excited do. for it. I think so too. I think it's going to be, um, you know, I just think, again, I just think the three of us have something so special in just in terms of connection and, and what we each bring to the to the to the puzzle of it all like yeah you know and I was saying I was saying to Nora I said it's so funny like I think one of the things that I sort of kept reflecting on is I kept thinking okay I am with these like two academics like these two theological academic geniuses and I'm like what the hell do they want with me and and I go through this little thing because I'm like because you're both so incredibly well read and, and there's such a depth to you in, in that regard. And, and, and then I, you know, and that's, that's me having my sort of cheeky dialogue with myself and, you know, sort of going like, you know, what do I, uh, what do I bring to this sort of, you know, geniusness that I'm immersed in? And, and then I thought, I said to, you know, because I think, uh, although I, I, would say I am academic I, I, I would say it is reflected differently in its expression and and not to the same depth and degree of, of the depth of understanding that both you and Nora have on particular subjects and so on and then I thought but no you know what that's probably great because I can reflect it back differently yeah. And, and that brings, and that kind of brings more like sort of maybe grounds the conversation a little bit, or I don't know what exactly it does, but I think it reflects it back in a different way. And, and so therefore I'm like, no, this is why, 
this is why we will work is that um, we're just such a good mix of, of, of intuition and wisdom and insight and it reflects so uniquely and differently in each of us. And I think that's going to be the magic of it. So, and, and I think maybe like, again, sort of my subconscious mind working on things is that I was, I was really trying to, um, in some ways just process my place in that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and as we often do questioning our own worthiness about, you know, what do I have to offer this sort of group? And, you know, and yet we connected and it was so organic and authentic that I'm like, why are you even questioning that, Julie? Because it, it, it's, it's working. There's nothing to figure out. It just mm-hmm. is doing what it does because of the nature of who the three of us are. But I think part of that too is just, you know, preparing to step into that place and space with you guys, right? And That's so funny that you think that you felt like you didn't have anything to bring. Because I felt like that too. I'm, I was telling my husband and I'm like, these two women have had such experience and have done all these things and are, are sure of what they're doing. And I was like, and Julie's got her, her yoga practice going on and Nora's had all this experience. And I'm over here going, I am a stay at home mom. What do these women want with me? And my husband is like, what are you saying? You're amazing too. But yeah, I mean, I went through that too. You know, we have that doubt monster that creeps in and is like, you have no business doing this. And so we have to shut that monster up. Yeah. It's honestly, that's incredible. I'm so glad that I shared that and you shared that with me because it's amazing what we do to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And in and, and, and how we, we can perceive ourselves relative to others. And, you know, and, and I mean, I think I was saying, I, have, I am like, oh my gosh, I am so honored to be, you know, a part of this, this group, this, this threesome of, of awesomeness and, and because of exactly who you are and exactly who Nora is. And so I just think that that is, you know what it does, it just speaks to who we are and, and that, and our authenticity. And, and that's exactly what's going to translate and resonate in our discussions, right? Is that mm-hmm. we are, despite the fact that we each of us in our own ways are putting ourselves out there and our vulnerabilities and everything else we are we are still these human beings that are are like everybody else finding our way in our life dealing with our little voices in our heads and the white noise and um and that's that is fantastic because that's what's gonna that's what i think people are going to connect with is that you know here are women that are are speaking out and 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 talking openly and 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 championing various things and bringing to the forefront different ideas and concepts for discussion and reflection and 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 they're human beings Mm -hmm. right they're not pretending to be anything they're not yeah Um, and so i'm thank you for sharing that because i it was really funny at one point i remember just thinking honest to goodness what do these two einstein incredible awesome (laughs) genius women you know what with this you know yogi who's and then I thought no no kind of flip that and and think about the three of you and the energy and and I was like no it's the right thing mm-hmm. it is the right thing yeah and we know? all have our gifts and we all have something to bring and we I you know I always say that I hear you know my daughter sometimes gets a little like well I don't know what I'm supposed to do and I'm like whatever you're doing right now is what you're supposed to do we forget yeah. that existing defines our purpose. Like, were you born? Mm-hmm. Yes. You have a purpose then. You were born yep. to have a purpose. And so, you know, if it's cleaning out your 
your baby boy's dresser drawer while he's taking a nap. That's your purpose. And that's something, yeah, that's something I've been trying to make sure that I remind myself is that everything I do is my purpose. I don't have to seek it. I think we try and seek some grand experience or new experience. And sometimes I can't help but wonder why do we get, why do we forget that everything that we do every day, the small interactions with like our family, our spouses, our, our friends, our children, that's meaningful. Like that, that presence that we offer to one another. That's the living, right? That is the living in that moment. And that was your post yesterday. I loved your post yesterday. I think you just expressed that so beautifully. Like, you know, because I've sort of had similar thoughts where you're like, you know, you look at sometimes what's put out there in social media and, you know, you hear the lingo sort of of rising up and, um, you know, um, what's the other one that um, rising up, um, stepping up, um, you know, and in the same breath, we have that the, the same post is coming out three days later that says you are enough as you are you are enough as you are and yet we're yeah. we're in the next breath saying well you need to step up you need to rise yeah. up and into yourself and and you think okay well which is it yeah am I exactly. I like what is like, it am I, am I enough I or do i gotta keep going you, what's wrong you're <laughs> just so but now you're telling me I need to step up and into myself and, you know, stop playing small. That's the thing. That's the one that I, I, I sometimes it kind of, mm. I get it. I understand perhaps some of the intention behind it, but I think when you're trying to articulate and say, you know what, present moment, you are enough as you are. I see you. I hear you. I feel you. And then in the next breath, you're saying, stop playing, playing small, step up into yourself, then to me, that's confusing. That's yeah, like confusing it is. mixed messages that says you're enough, but mm-hmm. you're enough, but you have to keep pursuing. Yeah. And it's the pursuit. It's the pursuit that, that we seem to value the most, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. constant perpetual pursuit of that perfect moment in life. And and I, that's why I just loved your post yesterday because I think, no, the perfect moment is now. Yeah. However you're arriving in that moment, this needs to be the perfect moment because we don't know if we have the next moment. Exactly. And yesterday's moment, that moment that just passed is gone. So, yes. you know, it's, so I think, yes, I think we're, I get it. I, I, I think we, I, I think we are human beings. We are inevitably built some of us more than others to strive to explore to expand our knowledge and our understanding but i think what's important behind that is the intention and purpose yeah what is the why yeah because you don't feel like you're enough right now and you're only Mm -hmm. going to be if and when this happens yeah i think about Corey often everything makes him think about his grandmother and his grandmother lived in our home and tended this garden and raised children in in these bedrooms. And whenever he talks about her, she was such a simple woman and so grateful for everything, but, you know, worked her butt off. And, and I think, you know, never once did he ever talk about how she felt like she wasn't doing enough. She was here. She was a farmer's wife. She raised her children. She canned everything every year she 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 did what she she felt she had to do to provide for her children and that was enough 
And now we move into this weird era where we're all given microphones and cameras and <laughs> platforms and we feel like, oh, oh, we're supposed to rise to some moment now instead of just going, I'm just sharing with you what I'm, because I mean, I did that when Facebook first started out. I was like, I'm canning, I'm canning stuff. I'm gardening. This is, look at how big this potato is. And then you get to a point where you kind of get lured in and you're like, am I supposed to be more than this? We are supposed to have people that show us the more, but we can be content with just what we have. And we don't have to be like, oh, I need that. And I need that. And I need to do that. And it's, it's such a and just simply meeting the moment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Simply meeting the moment as yes. it is, right? And yes. embracing it, holding it, and appreciating it, and feeling gratitude for it, and learning from it, right? Yeah. But unless we're aware and attending to that, um, you know, in some sort of mindful way, the, the, those moments pass us by, and that's mm-hmm. why I think we feel like we have to keep striving yeah. because we're just not paying attention. Yeah. Enough attention to what is, right? And that is is that what it was for you when if you don't mind if we go back to November thirtieth, twenty seventeen. And that's what you felt you struggled with, needing to be better, be bigger, do more. I think you know what? I think for me I just it was like I felt like I'm not enough. I, I, I don't know how to meet this life effectively. Clearly, I don't know how to meet this life correctly, like in an effective way. There's something inherently wrong with me because I feel too much. I, 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 I love too much. I want to hold space for others too much. And, and, you know, and I think that's, that was about it. And I was just so empty. Like there was yeah. just nothing just left. depleted to you. Yeah. I was so depleted that I just had nothing left to me at the moment. And, and, and I just, I remember just having this definitive moment in my head where I was like, I'm done. I, this isn't for me. You know, yeah. clearly this isn't for me. And, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's funny. <laughs> Again, Nora and I had a conversation the other day and, and I, I learned a lot in that moment from her because I was saying how I, I really want to be present for other people. I want to be able to understand how to be present for people when it's difficult to be present for people, when mm. people are, are perhaps pushing you away or um, they, they, they want to love you, they want your presence in your life, but there's a push pull that goes on with it. And, and when you come to that place where for me, it's a very difficult thing to do that place where I come to a place where I feel like I need to really let a relationship go. And that is agonizing for me yeah. because I think I don't want to bail on that person. I don't want mm. to not show up for them. doesn't mean I need to walk off into the sunset with them, but I don't want to not show up for them. I want to be able to be present. So I get frustrated because I think, why is that so difficult? Why can, mm. why does it become difficult for them to hold space for me to arrive in what I would like to feel like is this place of unconditional love? And then, I, and I try, like I try, Danielle, like I go at it and I, I try to give it space. I try to give it breathing room. I try to be more present. I try to, 
And then, and I think, no, this isn't working. This Mm -hmm. person is not receiving Mm -hmm. it. And, and I think, but all I want to do is be here for you. No strings attached. And Nora flipped it on me and asked me the question and said, or what she said was, she said, maybe that's because you don't want to feel the way you felt others have made you feel. Mm. That they left you or abandoned you or departed you when you needed them the most. Yes. And I literally, my jaw dropped because I thought, (laughs) oh my gosh, I think she's right. She always is. (laughs) I know. You talk to her and she will flip it back on you and and you're like, damn it, Nora. You did it again. (laughs) You did it again. And I was like, Nora, I think you're right. I I want to show, I want to be that person that loves unconditionally, that Mm -hmm. says, I will be here for you no matter what. Please allow me to be here for you no matter what. Yeah. The difficult part is, is not everybody is ready to meet you in that moment. Mm -hmm. And for their reasons, for whatever it is their journey is, they can't hold space for that, receive it for what it is. So I have found myself having to let go relationships that I just am like, okay, I, and I, I've sort of come to the realization that I'm not, I'm not giving up on you. I'm not, it's not because I'm giving up on you or giving up on the situation, but, but you're in a place or space where perhaps you've given up Mm. on yourself in this moment, your journey. To the best of my ability, I have tried to be here for you and that is all I can do. And if you are not prepared to receive it, then I need to take a step back because at some point it becomes, it's no longer a a filling up for me either, right? And it it creates this deficit. So it was just an extremely interesting conversation because it's something we, I, I really struggle with because I, if it's my choice, I want to be able to be present for, mm-hmm. for human beings in this life as they are in this moment. I would like to meet you in this moment. It doesn't mean I need to marry you, run off into the sunset, you know, that our relationship has to, maybe it lasts a week, maybe it lasts six years, maybe, maybe the, the dynamics of that, but I am fully present here. And regardless of the fact that I would perhaps make that conscious choice to let go a relationship, I still know deep in my heart that if that individual or person came to me and said, I need you, I would be fully present for them. Yeah. But I don't, but I don't need to be fully present for them in every moment of the day. Yeah. All I need to be able to say is, I am here. Mm. And that is just an open invitation. Yeah. I may never speak to you again in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And that's okay too. 
Yeah. I just know that I will continue to be here in some way, shape or form because I will not give up. I think it's really hard for a lot of people, especially people that follow Christianity um, to walk away because we're told don't forgive seven times, forgive 77 times. And then we feel like we have to be a glutton for punishment and abuse Mm -hmm. and, and condition And so we get so tangled in this idea that we're supposed to love everybody. We love our enemies, no matter what Mm -hmm. we turn the other cheek for forgive over and over. And what that ends up doing is we invite in this kind of transactional relationship where we think we're getting, you know, we're doing the will of God out of it, but it's actually depleting us. It's taking away from us as the wholeness of us. And all it is doing for the other person is allowing them to get away with this behavior without going, Hey, yeah. Look, we've been doing this thing and yeah. you're not re- reciprocating. And so that's, yeah, it's hard. I had to walk away from my mom and my sisters. Yes. And that was so hard because I was like, she's my mom. But at the same time, it was like, this is such a toxic relationship. Yeah. We both have growing to do. And yes. I'm just not ready to give you what you need. And you're not yeah. ready to give me what I need. And maybe yes. we can look back in a few years and figure out where we went wrong. And but it's been, it's been a few years since I've spoken to my mom or my sisters, which was really hard. Cause I used to talk to my mom like three, four times a week, yes. see mm-hmm. my sisters all the time. I mean, one sister lives five minutes away from me and yes, I don't see her. And then that creates a ripple effect for everybody else connected to that kind of relationship mm-hmm. too. But it's a difficult tight, tight rope to walk to. Yeah. And being sort of, you know, if you are of an empathic nature, right, mm-hmm. you come from that place, it's, it is, it's a tightrope to, to balance what is truly a healthy, constructive relationship and exchange, right, that, mm-hmm. that isn't toxic, that, again, you have this capacity to meet one another in that moment, fairly, and with respect, and with kindness, and, and so on, and and I think that's just the really difficult part. That's the part that hurts, right? The part that, that where you, you recognize, okay, I need to take a step back from this um, because yeah. this, is not, this is not healthy and constructive. And it is not healthy or constructive for either party because, again, you, it, it, it can be a very, um, it can really fester into those codependent relationships, right? And, and, and there needs to still be a sense of accountability for for our choices and how we show up for one another, right? And and how we may not show up for one another and make that choice, right? And and there there are consequences and there is accountability in those situations. And so I think regardless of our best intentions to want to be present, to be here, to love unconditionally, um, that is the inherent struggle of being human, right? That is the tightrope we all um, and why we are probably in such a freaking pickle in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you brought that up. You, you, um, we do have to free ourselves from our codependent relationships. And you said that um, when you started your healing process, yeah. that that was the number one thing you wanted to work on. You wanted to work on three things, break yourself from codependent relationships become mentally, emotionally, energetically, soulfully, and financially independent to honor, speak, and action your truth to be real. 
And I think that's one of the things that I instantly um, connected to you with is you were so real. You're so authentic and vulnerable. And I mean, I, your vulnerable story that you shared on Nora Speakman's podcast had me in tears because I thought, how many other women feel like this, especially us mothers too, right? We feel like this. And you talked about, you just laid down to die. And I'm like, do you know how many times I've actually went to bed at night going, I don't want to wake up in the morning. And I got five kids and my husband next to me. And I think, how can I even think these things? But we all have, we come under such pressure and we hold these expectations for ourselves. But it was such a relatable moment for me that I thought, wow, she's, she is talking to my heart right now. And, you know, I haven't spoken to a lot of other women about those feelings. Like those are feelings that if we told other people like, oh yeah, I, I've wanted, I've just hoped to die so many times. People would go, you're crazy. You, you need help. You need, you need to go to a facility. But it's like, this yeah. is a common struggle with humanity. We're, yes. We constantly ask ourselves, why am I here? Yes. Why do I keep waking up every morning? Yes. And it's just like, uh, it was just. Do I have to keep facing this every yes. day? What yes. is the point? Yes. God, take me now. Like, what is going? <laughs> yes. But I mean, we can laugh about it. But at the same time, it is a serious subject. But it's like, I think everybody experiences this. I think yeah. everybody goes through such a trial in their life where they're like, I. I'm done. And there are those who take further steps and they end their lives and that's tragic. But at the same time, I understand like it gets so heavy. And if you feel like you're in that place where you're like, there's no one for me to grab onto. Yeah. There's no, you've sort of lost the light. Right. And it's just this sort of closing in and, you know, until eventually, you know, perhaps that little glimmer of light that you might have been holding on to that that was what I would describe as having hope mm-hmm. it just snuffs out and mm-hmm. and I can only equate it to that myself as I went from having that moment of that tiny glimmer of light that I was holding on to then all of a sudden it just being like I was in a cave and it was snuffed out mm-hmm. um, and all the oxygen was removed and it was that was the fine line for me that was the the crossing over, so to speak, into that darkness. And, and at that point, there was nothing left. I was, I was helpless. I was hopeless. I, I, I just literally was done. And I, I, um, you know, when I, I can look back at that moment now in retrospect and sitting here with you now feeling very alive, very invigorated, very hopeful, very, engaged with this life the ironic thing is danielle that the gift of that darkness has now translated into the gift of being able to sit here and speak with you and have this conversation and talk authentically about mental health and suicide and you know and and women in particular and how we navigate our lives and not to diminish men in any way um because you know quite frankly um you know the when we talk from a suicide standpoint um you know men are um extremely high risk they are 
uh, generally more successful in their mm -hmm. attempts. Uh, women on the flip side um, attempt more often um, and are less successful. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, that is my understanding um, to date in terms of, you know, where statistics sort of, um, mm -hmm. you know, reflect that story. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is as a human race, we are struggling. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, we live in very difficult times. It is no wonder we have confusion um, about, about purpose and why we're here. Um, why can it feel so joyful and incredible and amazing and magical? And then why can it feel so awful? Why mm -hmm. can there be so much despair? Why can such horrible things happen? Um, I, 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 to me, it's not rocket science. No wonder no wonder we are we we struggle no wonder we are confused and then we also kind of have been told we have to hide the rough parts yeah we're not supposed to talk about the tough parts we're mm -hmm. not supposed to we're, we're supposed to soldier on somehow when when our heart breaks into a gazillion bajillion pieces because we lose a loved one or um, you know, we, we lose our, our capacity to make a living and to take care of ourselves, or we lose our independence, or we lose mobility, or we lose our, our health. And, you know, somehow we're supposed to say, okay, I can meet that. I can rise up into it. I'm not going to play small in this. I'm going to be as big as I possibly can be. And yet nobody has really taught us how to do that. We don't grow up learning how to do that. In fact, we grow up quite honestly, you know, don't cry in public. Yeah. Don't yep. share that. Put the mask on, put on your happy face and pretend like all is okay. Yeah. And it'll pass. Yeah. And it'll pass. The problem is it doesn't pass. We just push it away. We tuck it away. We, you know, bury it and bury it and bury it. All I know is at some point what you bury comes back to kick you in the ass. Yeah, big time. it does. And if we don't pay attention to it and we keep burying it and we keep burying it, it comes back and kicks us in the ass even harder. And that may reflect in the presence of disease, of cancer, of, you know, um, our cardiovascular health, chronic pain. It may reflect in our mental health from depression to anxiety to um, post-traumatic stress syndrome. Mm. You know, our bodies are the vehicle by which the dysfunction is expressed as well. Mm -hmm. So if we're not perceiving ourselves and treating ourselves as whole human beings, physical, mental, emotional, soulful beings, um, and we choose to continue to see ourselves as individuals and those around us as fragmented beings as okay they're a physical being then there may be a mental and emotional being and yes they're an energetic being and they're also a soulful being but we're going to pay more attention to who they are as a physical being we're only going to talk about certain aspects of their mental emotional being mm -hmm. um and then to kind of move beyond that and hold space for each other as energetic soulful beings well that's a whole different level so i kind of for me i i sort of you know i sort of coined myself this whole health yogi and the reason that is is because we need it's so important that we begin to see ourselves as these whole beings yes we 
are inextricably linked, um, and these layers of our being are inextricably linked, the health of one of those layers is inextricably linked and reflects in the health of the other layers of our being. Mm. So if we are mentally, emotionally struggling, if we are struggling with depression and anxiety, you can be damn sure that that's translating in your physical well-being. Yes. Through chronic pain, through disease. And the, the body whispers to us in the beginning, those dysfunctions. It whispers. But if we don't stop to attend to that, to practice awareness of, of those sensations that we feel, and we don't give ourselves the opportunity to connect more deeply to that sensation, then we are not able to take purposeful, mindful action to heal ourselves. And it's not until the body is screaming at us, screaming at us and, and you know, we, we are presented with a prognosis in our health like cancer, that we're forced to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That we are forced to pay attention to what the heck is going on. Yeah. I love that you brought that up about, sorry to interrupt here, but please, you have to, otherwise I'll just just talk. That's okay. I like listening. (laughs) But um, yes, to to what you talk about how, you know, it whispers at us and if we don't reconcile these issues that it can manifest into other things like disorders and, and chronic plague and cancer is funny is because my grandfather, his mentality was don't share the, the crap. I don't want to hear about your crap. I don't want to hear about your drama. I don't want to hear if you're broke. I don't want to hear about your fights. Tell me the good stuff. Yeah. And that was just the expectation in our family on my mother's side. But she didn't like that. You know? And so for us, it was like, I want to see your crap. If you are feeling icky, you, let's talk about this. You know, If there was a breakup or a fallout with a friend at school or whatever. Mom was right there. We're talking about this. And we'd be like, get out, mom. I don't want to. I'm not leaving until we talk. We're talking. Not talking about this is not healthy. And so she taught us how to go through that. But even as we got older, he, if he would see, I mean, even at funerals, like when my cousin died, he barely, you saw a little bit and we were like, grandpa can cry, you know, because we had gone to these other funerals and never seen him cry. But it was just this constant mentality he held that you don't talk about the, the bad stuff. You do not cry. And everything needed to just be rainbows and sunshine. And we had talked and then he got cancer and I, I hated even saying it, but I was like, I, I think I had just finished reading when the body says no by Gabor Mady. Yes. Yes. And right after I found out, I was like, He's going to have to start opening up right now and letting those emotional valves just on full blast, let it flow. And he was like, oh, it'll be fine. It's just cancer. They could treat it. Not a big deal. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to make an effort to connect to you then. And so when I did and he rejected it, I was like, oh, this isn't something that you're concerned about. You're like the experts will handle it. And within six months he was dead. And it's real. He wasn't even willing after he was faced with this news to make any changes to his life. And I thought it could have, he could have had at least more time. And if he was willing to just kind of release things and really get real and vulnerable, but he refused. And then I think um, his wife followed suit within a year. So, and she didn't want to talk about the bad stuff either, you know? 
And so it does, it festers and it builds. And I, I truly believe that. And after I started reading Dr. Gabor Mehdi, I started really getting intentional about yoga because I was like, okay, that has serious positive effects for people. I am going to make sure that I am unclogged and flowing. And so I'm just wondering if you could just talk a little bit about what drew you to yoga and how you've seen the, the, the changes in your life because of it. Well, so funny thing is yoga was like this love hate relationship for me when I was, I was, I'm going to say probably in my late teens, early twenties, I had a curiosity about yoga. Now I was an athlete when I was younger. So the only thing I knew was harder, stronger, faster. The idea of less is more didn't have a clue. I was like, yeah, I don't, that does not resonate with me whatsoever um, because I was always coached that you give it everything you've got all the time and literally harder, stronger, faster. Go big, go home. (laughs) Yeah. And that's it. And and that was all I knew. And and then there's, I kept hearing about this yoga thing and it was percolating and my mom had started exploring yoga, you know, when she was, when I was growing up and she was going to an ashram to do yoga and and, and so on. And, and so it, it sort of was peppered in my life in that way. And I had this curiosity. So I tried it. And I was like, yeah, I don't get it. I, I don't get this yoga thing. So I kind of went back to stronger, harder, faster. And, and then it kept kind of calling out to me. And, and then in my mid 20s, um, mid to late 20s, I, I, I sort of went back to it. And, and I just had this very pivotal moment where I I suddenly started to understand that less is more that we we really are are what I feel if we're not taking the time to slow down we become the hamsters on the wheel mm-hmm. and and I think that that's what yoga has really gifted me is it's really permitted me to come off that wheel and to really take charge of my whole being, my physical being, my mental, emotional being, my energetic being, my soulful being. And I've come to recognize that, that I myself am all of these things and that I, I need to nurture and nourish each one of those layers of myself with equal fervor and not my physical at the expense of my mental, emotional, energetic, soulful being, which is an athlete, which pretty much what I was into. And I remember the first time I took a yoga class, and I think this is, um, this is a story that, that many yogis would connect with. I remember moving through the class, getting down into the Shavasana, which I used to like bounce out of when I was practicing at home because, you know, to lay still for more than 30 seconds was agony. (laughs) And I settled into this Shavasana and the tears just started flowing and they weren't sad tears. They were just these, this sort of letting go this Mm. surrendering into this moment of recognizing that a in this moment I am enough as I am. This Mm. is, this is enough. 
and I feel so connected. And I feel like all those layers of myself have just really come together in that moment. And I feel peace and I feel equanimity. And I love that word equanimity. It's a big word for me, equanimity, because I think life is this roller coaster ride. And it is no matter what, not one of us moves through life without being on the roller coaster ride. Mm -hmm. How we choose to meet the roller coaster ride is really what's most important. So for me, having struggled so deeply, like literally feeling like, you know, the vast majority of my life, I was ravaged by depression and later anxiety and, mm -hmm. you know, and several suicide attempts later, that really what yoga has allowed me to do certainly and and has certainly supported many of my clients that i've worked with is being able to meet that roller coaster ride of life with equanimity so instead of doing the big peaks and valleys you move through it on mm. more of an even keel yeah with a capacity to hold that space for yourself with a capacity to breathe with that capacity to attune to sensations that are being expressed in your physical body before it's too late, before the full-blown anxiety attack comes, mm -hmm. to really be able to tune in to that sensation of, uh-oh, I feel that first little percolation of my heart or that little bead of sweat or that little tremor that's starting. I have this phenomenal toolkit now from which to draw from so that I can go, okay, I can manage, I can meet this moment. I can manage this moment. I am going to just take a few minutes to, you know, a, a 10 rounds of, you know, extended exhalation or alternate nostril breathing so I can shift that energy for myself. And it works. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it works. And there's and and so the more I started to play around with with all of the aspects of yoga. So I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you and tell you that I don't love the physical practice of yoga. I love the physical practice of yoga. I love moving my body. Um I love um getting grounded in a strong warrior too and feeling that sense of empowerment. But I also love the laying down in Shavasana. I, I love the easy breezy child's pose that lengthens and stretches my spine and, you know, mm. that place of vitality in our being like our spine, you know, is, is like the, everything moves off of that place. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I think it's just so incredibly powerful and, and it allows us, you know, I think I'm going to, I'm going to sort of, when I go, when I think about yoga and I think about what it really allows us to do, and, and we talked about it earlier about being able to meet the moments of our life, Yeah. right? Being able to meet the moments of our life with grace and with equanimity and, and with that equanimity. And in order for us to be able to do that, we have to give ourselves permission to slow down. We have to give ourselves permission to attend to the various layers of our being, the sensations we may be experiencing in our physical body, the feelings, the inner dialogue we may be having with ourselves in a particular moment. Is it a self-destructive dialogue? Am I sending myself down the river um, 
because I'm telling myself I'm not enough in this moment versus that conversation you're having with yourself that says, you've got this, you've got this, this is your skill set. You can, you can do this. This is who you are. Um, to connecting to our, our broader existence and our relationships and our community and our world in order to be able to do that, and really step into the most optimal state of being, we have to be able to attend to those sensations, those deep-rooted feelings, those inner dialogues. So for me, I kind of have this, this sort of process, I guess, of we attend, we get practiced at attending to those various layers of our being. The purpose of attending is to gain awareness, awareness of the qualities of those sensations with that awareness we can connect more deeply when we connect more deeply to that experience and that moment we have the capacity to take more purposeful mindful action that compels us towards that optimal state of being Mm. so that we can meet the demands and commands of our life with greater grace and equanimity Mm. because life is going to happen around us. The practice of attending and awareness and connection and purposeful, mindful action is where our capacity is to step into the driver's seat of our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I really love about it is I'm not good at being still. I got to do something. 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 You know, I'm not, I, like Netflix and chill, that's a battle for me. Like, something, <laughs> like it's hard. And when I first was introduced to yoga, I was like, I'm just trying to lose some weight right now. Like, can we speed this crap up? Let me, let, yeah. you know, it was just like a, it's just like another device for me to just like yeah. figure out how to lose baby weight. And then um, when I really started focusing on it, I was like, oh, this helps me slow down and just be still and then just okay I'm not I'm not in a rush. and I tried to do some of this I was going to do some this morning yes. and I was so mad at myself because that my brain wouldn't shut off and I'm like okay I'm just not going to do it right now I'm gonna have to do it later yeah. you can't get into that place where you're willing to shut it off it's so much more difficult yeah. and I've been studying it too because I felt like I just didn't know enough about it. And I, I heard someone sermonize about the seven churches in Revelation in re- relation to the seven chakras. And I'm like, oh, what? Hold on a minute. This is mind boggling. And so when I really started paying attention to that, then I was like, all right, I don't know enough about yoga. And I think if I know more about it, I can appreciate it a little bit stronger. And I won't, I don't know push against myself to go be still for 20, yes. 30 minutes. And sometimes I'm just like, I just need like a little five minute. I just need five minutes. Um, just, I'm just going to stretch and the kids will come and join me. And it's like, okay. in the breathing part of it, yeah. I never really understood that in the beginning. Like, oh, this breathing is stupid. I don't even get it. And <laughs> when I started really getting into like the breath of God and being present in the breath, I was like, oh, Oh, you see how they all connect now and why it's important in that breath. Yes. Now one breath forces you to reflect. Yes. And it for me, I love it because it pulls me out of my 
my normal reactionary patterns, you know, like yes. Danielle is known for like, Oh, I'm gonna pop off on you. I'm, I'm gonna tell you what, you know? <laughs> and now it's like, Oh, well, I'm just gonna, okay, we're good. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just it's such an amazing practice to implement into your life. And for me, I feel like it helps integrate mind, body, spirit. Absolutely. And, and I that's, think that's the most important. It. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. I think is, you know, there are, there are, there certainly are other things, um, you know, Qigong, Tai Chi, um, you know, those, those are the movements, the activities like yoga that again, allow us to connect with ourselves on a far deeper level and a more meaningful level. And again, to, perceive and receive ourselves as whole beings, yeah. right? Um, you know, and, and I think, gosh, I think the vast majority of people in North America, I think it's starting to shift now, but I think, you know, in the beginning, what compels us is the physical practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, I, I'm of the mind that if that's, if that's what it takes, you know, is, is again, you know, our, our desire of, okay, I want to add more. So I'm going to add yoga because yoga is going to be allow allow me to get that yoga body. And I'm going to look like I'm on the cover of yoga journal and tra la la, and it's going to be fantastic. That may very well be the impetus for that decision to, to move into yoga. The beautiful part is, is once you step into that world, if you open your heart and your mind to the possibility you step into a far greater magic than you ever imagined possible. And, and really you begin to connect with your capacity to not only manage your life, manage the dysfunction of your life, but you also have the capacity, you, you acquire the capacity to prevent. You also acquire the capacity to heal yourself. Mm. And, and I don't, I'm not suggesting that yoga is to replace medical science. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm suggesting is, is that everything has its place and yoga has the capacity to support, to heal in conjunction with other healing modalities. Mm-hmm. So it's just another tool in the toolkit that one has to draw upon to be proactive, to prevent to nourish and nurture well-being, to heal when healing is necessary, mm. right? And, and hopefully, I mean, one of the things, the beautiful shifts that I think I feel is starting to see happening with yoga becoming so much more mainstream and being utilized as a therapy is that right now, what's coming to life is the prevention piece mm. with yoga. You know, what if we can proactively prevent becoming ill, becoming physically ill, becoming mentally, emotionally unwell. Yoga offers up that possibility. Mm -hmm. We ultimately have to choose to participate, to action it. But what I would also argue and suggest is that when you start to befriend yoga and step into yoga, what you begin to understand is that it is all yoga. Yeah. It is all yoga. You and I having this conversation, this dialogue, this is yoga. Mm. Yoga is not just what happens on our mat, right? And that's what we traditionally think. It's that, you know, I, and, and, and in order for me to be a yogi and do yoga, I have to arrive on my mat and do 75 minutes of movement and yoga and, 
and that's what it needs to look like. The challenge with that is that sometimes is really inaccessible for people. If yeah. I, if in order to do yoga and be considered a yogi, I need to make time in my day and do yoga every day for 75 minutes and it needs to look like this. I don't think it needs to look like that at all. Yeah. I think yoga is the moments of your life. It is movement. It is breathing. It is relationships. It is your work life. It is your capacity to meet the moments of your life with that joy, that equanimity and capacity. So what I suggest sometimes when I'm working with clients, and especially if I'm, I, and I work a lot with women who are struggling, they're, they're either experiencing burnout, they are struggling with disease, chronic pain, uh, struggling with mental, emotional um, health and well-being, and, and they want to get their life back. They want to reclaim themselves. And, and yoga has such a remarkable capacity to be able to offer that up. And they're time poor, right? We are all time poor. There are not enough minutes in the day. We are all cramming as much as we possibly can into our lives every minute of the day. So for me to suggest to them that in order for you to, for this to make a difference, you need to practice 75 minutes of yoga, you know, or 60 minutes of yoga, just like this. So that's not what I necessarily suggest. What I suggest is, is the moment that you wake up is the moment your yoga practice begins. Mm. And that yoga practice might simply begin by taking a little body scan, a little, you know, mind body scan before you get up to grab the coffee, before you get up to go take your pee, before you grab your phone to, you know, scroll your social media, before you do any of that, just taking a moment to wake up, mm, I love to that. attend, to be aware, to connect more fully with that moment in waking, to sensation, to those first glimmers of mood that you might have. Because, you know, we have these dreams. I don't know about you, Danielle, but sometimes I'll wake up and I'll have had dreams and the energy of that dream is lingering with me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, and I, and so in that moment of waking up and doing that scan, I sort of attend to that and I think, oh, well, that's kind of an icky feeling. Like, what is that? What am yeah. I feeling with that, right? And and just taking that little inventory of self before leaping into the day, which is what most of us do. We The alarm goes, we get up, we go, we hit the ground running, and we don't look back. Yeah, we're just on autopilot. We're not even thinking about what we're doing. Like, I, I noticed that too. Coffee is like the zombie freaking motion of my morning. Like, hit the yeah. coffee, and then I will function. Yes. <laughs> and and, I, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm like, I need my little coffee. But, but what I suggest is, is that we start to embrace this, this mentality that yoga begins the moment we wake. Mm. And it is the choice we make as we navigate our day to attend, to be aware, to connect, so that we may take more mindful, purposeful action as our day unfolds and progresses. And that requires us to become very practiced at present moment. Yes. So when I suggest to my clients, I'm like, you know, do that little body scan. And then take a couple of moments just to wiggle your fingers, your toes, roll your wrists, your ankles, maybe drop your neck, do a couple of neck rolls, sweep your arms up to the sky, give a little stretch, nice big deep breath in and letting go sigh out. Good morning. Mm. What does that take? 
two to three minutes of your day, but it sets an intention and an energy for the day. And you have taken time already before you have done anything else to acknowledge yourself in that moment. That's self-care. Mm-hmm. Before you action anything for anybody else in the day, you've actioned something for yourself. You've taken a moment for yourself to take that inventory, to scan, and then to, to move, to, I mean, you've been laying in bed for eight, nine hours. Yeah. Uh, at least I have, maybe, maybe less on, on certain evenings. But just to explore that, nudge those edges as, as soon as you wake, right? And to appreciate your aliveness. You woke up. Yes. 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 I love that you say that about yoga being like it's starting as soon as you wake up. I was watching some video just last night. And so they're like, here are different yoga practices. Karma yoga is this idea of a selfless service. So whenever you're just serving someone else to be present in the moment. And I liken that to like this idea of kenosis where you're removing yourself and your ego and any benefit for yourself and you're just doing for the other. So yoga is an other oriented practice. Uh, Raja yoga, which is just meditation. Yes. Bhakti yoga, which is just devotion. Hatha yoga, posturing and breathing, which is probably what a lot of people are familiar with. Most traditional for sure. But the pilgrimage was very interesting to me because first they talk about, well, some people will take an actual external pilgrimage visit, you know, some area of sacred place or some temple of worship. But the most important pilgrimage we can take is the internal one. And I really loved one of the, one of the um, suggestions was to literally take an internal pilgrimage from your root to your crown chakra. Yeah. And a lot of us don't think that that's an actual yoga practice to like imagine yourself traveling and, and touching the lotus flower of then and just kind of going up. And that's such a simple practice that we can literally do when we're at work at our, at our desk and just take a break realign with your chakras, remember who you are, remember your energy points. And I just thought that was such a beautiful way to talk about yoga. And maybe the Christians wouldn't hate it so much. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I think that's You've got seven thing. God in you right there. Just go down. God, 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 God. <laughs> I, I think that and I, I call it, um, when I speak with my clients, I call it creating islands of calm in your day. So really taking the time throughout your day, because again, yoga happens all day long. It's not just this, you know, beginning and end entity that as you navigate your day, you take and create islands of calm in your day. And that might be reflected in sitting in your car before going into a meeting to move through pranayama or some breath work. Just that moment to reconnect, to ground yourself in your day, to reflect upon what brought you to this moment, to appreciate this moment, so that you may step into the next moment consciously, mindful, purposeful action. And that may be taking some time just to do some gentle movement, to get up from your desk, to walk around, again, to sweep your arms up to the sky, move through a little sun salutation. You know, yoga can happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's for everybody and it can happen everywhere. It is so accessible. And yoga is movement. Yoga is breath. Yoga is mindfulness. It is meditation. It is the way we interact with one another. So you can practice yoga all bloody day long. Isn't that the best? <laughs> it is. So, and, and it doesn't have to be this construct in your day. 
it, it simply just needs to be organic and authentic and move through you because the, the more connected you get, the more aware you will be, the more naturally it will come to you where you will just, I can be standing in the grocery lineup um, doing yoga and I do it often and nobody has a clue. You know, I'm not suggesting, you know, you, you move into, you know, be breath or breath of joy and, you know, make a big spectacle out of yourself, but you can stand in a grocery store lineup and do yoga. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can. Yeah. It's a fact. We have to, I think, really crack the definition of yoga wide open mm -hmm. and recognizing it is all encompassing that yoga is life. Yoga gives life. It is life. It inspires life. And, and we don't, we, we need to stop thinking of it as simply a class, a yoga class, Yes, which is okay. Yoga classes have their purpose. I'm, I'm not suggesting that, that there's, that there's wonderful value in that coming mm -hmm. together in community and sharing breath. And that is magical, but yoga happens everywhere and it is an ongoing process. There's mm -hmm. not a beginning and there's not an ending. It is a way of choosing to live the and breathe in the world and interact in the world. And I do believe if we have that capacity as individuals to connect deeply with ourselves, to accept ourselves as we are in this moment with love, with kindness, with compassion, that is what the trickle down effect, that's what's going to inspire deeper connections with those around us, more authentic yes. connections with those around us, with our community with our world and if we have that capacity to nurture our own well-being to that extent that that becomes the priority for each one of us and we hold space for each other to do just that then I think we actually have the capacity to shift what is going on in this world mm, yeah because if we don't know how to gift ourselves that we don't know how to honor ourselves and respect ourselves in that way. Not in a narcissistic way, not in a this is an all about me kind of way, but acknowledging this life, the value of this life, that we are all here, each one of us, to contribute, to, to serve, to be of value. We have purpose. And if we hold that space for one another and appreciate that in one another, then, then I think the magic that we could create together would be like nothing we've ever seen before. Mm. It would be like nothing we've ever seen before. And at the end of the day, I think that the, the word connection is what really resonates, you know, is this capacity to, as you were saying, go, you know, that inward exploration, going inward, understanding our humanity, which is challenging in this world that we live in to understand why are we here what is our purpose perhaps our purpose is is to learn and understand how to honor ourselves as we are in any given moment through the ups and downs of life so that we can then in turn be of service mm. to one another yeah and really understand how to hold space for the human experience, the good, the bad, the ugly, and indifferent of it all. And it certainly isn't going to allow us to, you know, there are just certain things that are beyond our control. But as yoga gives us the capacity as individuals to heal ourselves, well, if as community, each one of us are, are embracing yoga in our days, 
then perhaps we have the capacity to heal community and to heal our world. Yes. It's grandiose, but... I don't think it is. I think it's because it's so simple. It's so simple. And I think it's not... And I I use this terminology all the time. I think I get it from my dad. It's just not rocket science. It's It's not, not yeah. But we make it Mm -hmm. so darn hard because we we have chosen for so long to to sort of isolate certain aspects of life and living and experience and and that goes back to the very beginning of our conversation where we've been taught to share only certain things yeah to wear the masks to pretend that all is okay and to create this image of I've got this life no matter what. And the fact of the matter is not one of us can do that on our own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to. No, that's why there's 8 billion people or 7 yes. and a half billion. Yeah, we're not supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. not supposed to. We are by nature social beings. We seek mm-hmm. connection. We seek understanding. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if... If we can step into that place, if we can unveil and give ourselves, each one of us, give each other that opportunity to remove the masks and unveil, to show up authentically. Uh, You know, I love Brene Brown. Um, Mm. I I love her conversation all around shame and vulnerability. and, and, And I mean, I just, I'm so grateful for her, you know, and to others who have cracked that sort of conversation wide open. And and I think, yes, let's get real. Yes. Cut the bullshit. Yes. Let's get real. Yes. And let's acknowledge that life is a struggle. And anybody who says it isn't is probably not being very honest with you. <laughs> yes. You know, like, so cut that part and let's talk about it. Let's talk about the tough stuff. Because if we do, maybe people aren't going to get to that place where light gets snuffed out. It doesn't need to be that hard. And we don't need to judge each other so harshly Mm. for not having our shit together all the time. Yeah. And we need to be comfortable with saying, I don't know. We don't need an answer for everything. We can just be like, I don't know. Let's think about it. I'm going to think about, I don't know though, because I've never done this before. I had this incredible conversation with a woman yesterday talking about letting go of the constructs of life that we all hold on to so deeply are you good over there can you Uh, hear me yeah no I can hear you someone's at my door oh okay (laughs) I was just like what is going on but I'm sure my kids are lining up too and my husband's probably like Uh, hello hello (laughs) you know how girls talk yeah they just talk and talk talk. not to cut you off but I probably should wrap this up (laughs) otherwise we're gonna have a lot of distraction that's awesome you're done mom (laughs) you're done you've had enough time no well you know what honestly you and i danielle i'm like honestly i think we could talk for days and yeah i think we're gonna create some incredible long podcasts a great great conversation and i thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story with me and the listeners Uh, thanks everybody have an amazing day namaste namaste